1: Network's Wagering Week, help your bottom line.
0: Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. Welcome to Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. Yeah, I'm Connor Oaks. Connor, this is an exciting episode of Too yeah. Many Lawyers. We I mean, they're all have... exciting episodes. Yeah, but you know what? We've Some done, more We've done 10 stuff. or 11. I yeah. feel like those were just practice shows. Oh, warm-up shows. We're yeah, going to have stride a stride now. Oak shows. All right. Uh, I don't know if you uh, have ever seen uh, Norm MacDonald's show on Netflix. Where it's just Norm mm, no. at a desk interviewing famous folks. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jimmy Chase. Yeah, yeah. I thought you David meant like a, a sitcom,
1: but this was his attempt yeah. to be a late night
0: host. Yeah, this is his new show, and I, I think they may have canceled it, but he had a, Already? Dozen, a dozen or so wonderful episodes. It was terrific. We just have to start a, a letter writing campaign. So the very first guest was his pal, David Spade, the fabulous comedian. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not, it wasn't a cheesy show, but but David liked to kind of make fun of the fact that it, it was sort of low budget it was right right, a right big band and so on so at one point when things weren't going as well as david thought they should be going david said to norm mcdonald is is this a practice show <laughs> and so they have practice shows i guess no, it's that, a real hollywood thing absolutely well you know every
1: great show needs time to get its footing you don't watch the pilot of any good show and think, oh man, they really crushed it. I mean, it's it's rare. It's very rare that the pilot is Probably. actually reflective of the quality.
0: Usually it takes a season to hit its stride. Yeah, that's true. But one of the ways we've hit our stride mm-hmm. is that we do have a new introduction that you have already heard yeah. and it is by Melody Federer who is a the fabulous music, yes. songwriter and singer, she works with Burt Bacharach has, for years. And Thank she, you so
1: much for letting us use the song. It's, it's just amazing. We love it. It's
0: called This Town. It's a new song by Melody Federer. We Do, searched and
1: searched and could not find something that was perfect. And we heard this and, and the, we thought, well, I who cares how perfect it is. it is? It's so good, we just have to use it anyway. So go to YouTube.
0: <laughs> go to YouTube and just search for This Town or Melody Federer. You're going to find it there. So uh, Billy Yeager, a ex- voiceover artist extraordinaire, did the voice uh, for the introduction. So here's my worry. Connor, what if people like the introduction melody and Bill better than they like the actual show? It
1: doesn't matter; they'll keep coming back for this. It counts as a download, even if they only listen to the first thirty seconds and then click off. Who cares? Could
0: be. So um, let's review the bidding in terms of what the show is all about. Um, We're kind of different. I mean, we're father and son, but I'm a baby boomer and you're a millennial. Mm -hmm. I'm a libertarian and you're a progressive. Yep. And we talk about things, and yet. People don't, their heads don't explode. And the objective here, from my perspective anyway, is to work on solutions to legal issues, public policy issues, and talk with people who are not driven by hate or greed. I, you and I, I think, are driven by a sincere desire to do what's best for society, mm-hmm. which translates to what is best for individuals within society. The problem I have, and you see it every time you turn cable on, is there are a lot of people out there who hate. The kind of people who historically put up signs saying whites only for these bathrooms and drinking fountains, and the kind of people who put up signs saying eat the rich. The haters we don't really need. I think we should call them from the conversational herd. Then there are the greedy people, the politicians who promise things, free things just to get elected, not because it's right, whether it's giveaway for corporate welfare or giveaways to slices of the public whose votes they want, free stuff, Uh, the people who run the corporations, uh, yeah, don't, who don't care about whether our climate is destroyed. They just want their profits. The people who want handouts simply because they like free stuff and they don't care who pays for it. Again, I think these are people who are greedy. And again, it doesn't help to have these folks involved. When The kicker here is when you have two people sort of on the fringes of ideology as you and I are, uh, deep down, uh, we have a pragmatic streak, I think. We realize I think you understand that you're not going to get everything you want. The Congress is not going to vote for mm-hmm. Connor's progressive menu. And I know people are not going to implement a libertarian menu, but we talk and we compromise and we figure out what seems to work best. And that's the whole idea yeah. of, of this show. We're not- I think
1: you're right that the most important thing right off the bat is identifying who those bad actors are, the people who come into the conversation without uh, a, a good faith uh, attempt to make the world a better place. And, That's always difficult, right? It's always hard to tell because there are a ton of good actors out there saying things like, eat the rich, or uh, saying things like, I want the government to hand out large checks to me or other people. uh, But they're doing it for the right reasons, and it's so hard to tell – um, and for the same you know the same reasons, you might have somebody out on the other side saying, "I want to relax governmental regulation and get rid of bureaucracy or red tape or the private private you know the free market in a neoliberal sense. the free market will solve this problem better than government intervention will, and that doesn't make them evil. I might disagree with them. And I might say, well neoliberalism, the idea that government solves uh, no problems better than the free market does, put the free market on every issue. I disagree with that, but that doesn't mean that person's coming to the table in bad faith right. with their ideas, and I want to listen to them and explain why in this circumstance I think that's the wrong way to go about it, but maybe in another circumstance it's the right way to go about it, uh, if any, though of course there are
0: no circumstances in which I'm wrong. So we're going to talk about some kind of heavy issues, eviction, uh, what kind of help is available for tenants. We're going to talk about what do you do when you lose your health insurance. And unfortunately, there are a lot of covid idiots out there, uh, a, a great new term that somebody coined. But before that, I, I have to say, kind of when I saw Elton John and his pals perform on that big Fox deal a week or so ago, it was great, I guess, to see all these talented people, but... You know, one of the fun things about these celebrities is that we put them on a pedestal and they have all this glam and all the spangles and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Elton John and so on sitting in their, in sweats in their living room, wasn't that just a little bit disappointing for you? Well, that's so interesting because there are so many people who go on, you
1: know, star tours, uh, drives around Beverly Hills, hoping against hope to see Robert Downey Uh Jr. Lucille
0: Ball in her Barker lounge. Yeah, exactly.
1: Jogging Uh, down the street, sweaty and bedraggled and, and looking like, a normal human, they want to see and and they hire paparazzi to track down Taylor Swift and chase her down the street while she's in her sweatpants trying to get you know I guess some McDonald's. But you you they want to see the you don't want to see that
0: you well, want them to be polished and and I, on a pedestal. On the other hand, I have had a couple of celebrity sightings mm-hmm. in, in my life, Tim, and, and they've been kind of interesting. One involved Jeff Goldblum. Ooh. a few years ago. It's been a while now because Letterman was on. Jeff Goldblum was a JFK. He was going toward his gate. I was already seated next to the gate. And he's moving along on one of these people movers. And he was fascinated because a, a hippie, I'll, I'll just call him a hippie, hippie. because he had uh, the tie-dye and, and the long nice, hair nice, and nice. three sticks. He was juggling three sticks. Have you seen the guys? Oh, they yeah, hold yeah. two mm-hmm. sticks and they juggle the third. It looks easy. I've tried I'm it. Sure I can't do it. Yeah. So I, I could never be a hippie. So anyway, Jeff is fascinated by watching this guy, and he's flipping the sticks. And all of a sudden, he drops a stick. At that point, Jeff's bored, and so now he's looking straight ahead. At this point, he's he's just gliding along the people mover, just like in Mars Attacks. Mm. And I see him. I could you know you can tell fifty yards away. It's Jeff Goldblum. He's got the distinctive profile and so on. And I see him, and I ask myself, should I? Should I say something? You see your him? moment to strike. And I hear in my voice, your your sisters, Claire and Faye, they're saying, dad, no. No, don't do n- it. Don't embarrass want- me in front of Jeff Goldblum. He doesn't want to talk to the normals. That's well, <laughs> I ignore them. I ignore them. <laughs> just when he gets opposite me, at right. just the right moment. I had seen him two nights before in, he was on the David Letterman show. I was in New York for business. He was there, obviously, to be on the Letterman show. So I yell out to him. I say, Jeff, yell out in the middle he, of the he has no option. Super he, quiet. He can't, he can't not look over at me, no matter how little he wants to interact with the girls. Right. He glances over at me furtively like, oh my God, we're going to blow a my cover. stalker. This is like a John Lennon. Yeah. Line. And I say, great job on Letterman. And he smiles, and he he doesn't really say thank you. He mouths the words "thank you" as only Jeff Goldblum. Moment of your life. It was up there in the top
1: fifteen. The day that I was born, number one. Oh, you're in the top five. Jeff Goldblum, number
0: two. This was Claire and Faye being born, number three and four. Anyway, it it was pretty nice. I was seeing the I was seeing the celebrity in the natural habitat. Um, last thing before we get to, uh, the heavier stuff, I got to share my pet peeve with you, Connor. And I know you don't have any sympathy for me on this, but I have a problem with people using the word literally when they don't really mean literally, they mean figuratively. So I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, uh, they're in Las Vegas and, and, uh, we were talking about a business thing and they, they said to me, you know, this is amazing. Las Vegas is literally a ghost town right now. And literally I, I, a ghost. Town. I resisted the temptation to say, oh, Really? Is Casper playing craps in the Bellagio all alone? What do you mean it's literally Literally, a ghost? Don't you have a problem with that?
1: No, I love it because uh, it's it's a purposeful reuse of literally to mean not literally. It's, it's it's intentional. They're doing it on purpose as for exact, exaggerative Is it in the dictionary? Effect. Is it in the dictionary? It is dictionary? now officially in the dictionary. It changed the last couple of years ago. There was a big uproar. A lot of people what? felt like
0: you did that it shouldn't be I think in what, the dictionary. I think the dictionary should have a little warning up front now. What it should say is, warning... A bunch of the crap in this book is wrong, okay? <laughs> Under that circumstance, I'd be okay with using a new creative w- use of the word literally. So Boris Johnson, uh, wonderful news. He's out of ICU, yes. out of the hospital, and so on. And man, the polls show that people have rallied around him, kind of like he was Winston Churchill or something. Right. I mean, every every leader gets a
1: bump in a crisis. Look at the astronomical bumps that people like George W. Bush got, and, and everybody, uh, when they see the... You know, you're know, you in the midstream. You don't want to change horses. You want to get behind your horse and say,
0: okay, we support you. We're with you. We'll fix it. It's kind Make of it where I was headed with this, yeah. Connor. I, I just wanted to pose a kind of a hypothetical question. It's wonderful news that Boris Johnson's feeling better. I'm just wondering, if mm-hmm. Donald Trump tested positive, things deteriorated, he goes into the hospital, he's in the ICU, he struggles, he fights and wins, and he emerges... Do you think there'd be much of a Trump bump or do you think people are just so locked in when it comes to their views of Donald Trump that it wouldn't matter how much of a medical miracle he became and overcame uh, incredible That's odds. a
1: very good point. I, of course, don't know the answer. My suspicion would be he would get a very, very small bump because you're right. People Not, a Boris, so Not, the Not Boris a Boris bump. Not a Boris bump, just yeah, a Donald Trump
0: exactly. bump. Well, hopefully hopefully he won't uh, have to uh, suffer through all of the slings and arrows that Boris Johnson did. Hey, when we come back, uh, we are going to talk eviction. Uh, It is a huge problem for millions of people uh, who are struggling to pay their rent. Uh, We're going to deal with that here on Too Many Lawyers. In the meantime, though, please uh, rate and subscribe and review. uh, And we we hope you uh, are enjoying the program enough to do that. Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. We're back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So eviction, a huge issue. Uh, millions of people are uh, struggling to, to pay the rent. So the good news in California is Governor Newsom has your back. He's issued an executive order that stops landlords from evicting people for non-payment of rent. The only catch is you do need to say in writing that I can't pay because of COVID-19. And the good news for the landlords is that this edict from the governor says when this is all over, tenants have to pay all back rent. And of course, realistically, are people going to be in a position to do that? Who knows? I guess from the landlord's standpoint, Khan, um, could be bad news because I don't think there are a whole lot of measures to protect them. They still have to pay for the maintenance and they got the, the property taxes and the right. homeowner's insurance right. and the principal and Hopefully, interest on the mortgage. if you stop
1: the evictions... Uh, then you don't have a flood of housing hitting the market, dropping the pricing, uh, the prices of markets, which means that you can still sell your real estate. If you can't make payments, um, you can sell re- the real estate, sell your equity in, the, in whatever house or, or apartment building or whatever you have as a landlord, take the cash from that and have another person who's buying it knowing that they're taking on the responsibilities that that landlordship comes with. We, we, we hold landlords to a very high standard and say they have to, Make, make sure to maintain the property in a place where – in a way that you can actually live in it. It's habitable, they call it legally, and that you have you know, the covenant of quiet enjoyment and every other requirement that landlords must meet. We, we give them that, uh, those responsibilities. That is, we burden them with those responsibilities because landlords have the, the capital. They can sell if they can't meet those obligations, whereas tenants, you know, since it's their home, they're generally under the gun. And they um, yeah have fewer responsibilities as
0: a result, still some but fewer. So somebody coined the phrase "covid idiot" and really applies. Seems like every uh, every big phenomenon has its uh, folks who try to exploit it or just turn into total morons. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you feel like it's it's a struggle to get through this thing, you're handling the pandemic better than this Albuquerque idiot. Joe Macias, according to the uh, police, uh, Joe was very bummed over about not qualifying for a stimulus check. So I guess he makes a decent income. He makes too much money. Income. Oh, yeah, bummer. But he, but he didn't get a stimulus check. So he goes home armed with a four-pack of beer. That's not the worst thing to be armed I know they with. came with four packs. That's I thought, a good point. You know, six. But anyway. So he douses his disabled wife with gasoline. Wow,
1: that, yeah, re- that really went up a notch. That so really then, kicked that up a notch, didn't it?
0: Then the moron tries we to— were le-
1: we were at the level of uh, he's drinking beer, which yes. is not that bad. And then we get to uh, assault and attempt to light somebody on
0: fire. Correct. So he tries to light a cigarette after he's oh! drenched his wife. But, uh, you know, he had drenched his lighter with gas, so it didn't work. Fortunately, I'm he very wasn't
1: glad that physics works out such that when you drench a lighter with gas, it won't light. That's yeah. just a happy thing in coincidence.
0: this case. It worked out That's so lovely. the guy is now in jail, charged with attempted murderer. And I just yeah. hoped, I know we're releasing some people because and this you was know, sorry, go on, they could because of the pandemic. I hope they don't release him. Oh, yeah, because of he might get sick, right? Yeah, you yeah, don't
1: want him to get sick or anybody mm-hmm. to get sick. No, I, I, I just I just want to get back to the fact that this story is related to COVID because he was so bummed about not qualifying for a stimulus check. Does he think that Trump or <laughs> or or Nancy Pelosi is listening to him when he he lights somebody on fire? Did he think that it was like burning My somebody in effigy? My opinion is that
0: Joe doesn't think a lot probably not. All. Probably not. Speaking of letting people out, though, I just uh, saw in the paper today, and today is uh, Sunday, Easter Sunday, um, Michael Avenatti has been sprung. He has been Hooray! released. He has been released from prison. That's good. Uh, the federal judge who in here in Southern California is going to preside over his next trial. He's already been. I've been convicted missing of Michael Avenatti
1: nonsense in the news. So this is good. This is going to get us more news that's less depressing. He's
0: wearing a, a bracelet. Uh, electronic monitoring device. Mm -hmm. He's hanging out with a a friend in uh, Venice Mm -hmm. at a home. And the deal is apparently he was diagnosed with pneumonia earlier this year thus giving him an argument to the judge. Well, your honor, I mean, it's I'm not in only danger. Yes. It's, it's in general bad for inmates because, you know, pretty close quarters, but right. look at me, look at my medical Pulmonary issues. Yeah. So it's he's acceptable. out for uh, the time being pending his next trial, which isn't going to happen for a while because after all, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, there is the pandemic that's putting things off. So Massachusetts also has some, um, COVID idiots. Uh, there's a, an idiot in a grocery store in Kingston in Massachusetts, he intentionally started coughing and spitting on food. And I've I've read half a dozen stories about this. What in the world possesses people to think it's a clever idea in the presence of other human beings to intentionally cough and spit on food. Yeah, I mean, this this is just the
1: misdemeanor version of suicide by cop. I don't know what the cry for attention is hoping to accomplish. Maybe there's some sort of conspiracy theorist that thinks this is all a hoax, or maybe they're just angry and lashing out, and their other alternative to this would be... Uh, hurting an animal or getting into a street fight or something like this and this is just the best opportunity for them to manipulate
0: the situation and get attention. And I get don't know. Anyway, some uh, some uh, vigilantes decided to go medieval on this guy's hiney and they knocked him to the ground. They held him in place until well, police it arrived. he got to do a citizen's arrest. And, and you'll never believe this, Connor, but they actually cap- captured this on a cell phone video. So Thank God. Yeah. At
1: 2020, there's always, well, at the last 10 years, there's always been somebody with a cell phone camera whenever it anything fun happens, and uh, you, we get to see
0: it. You know it's a bad day when you end up on YouTube. That video is going to end up in the Library of Congress. So the concerned citizens uh, earned praise, and the coffer is going to be charged with assault and battery. Uh, and the last item on this idiot, I mean, on this idiot front is really serious. Uh, domestic abuse is soaring. Uh, calls to domestic abuse hotlines are way up during this quarantine period. I'm thinking maybe we double the criminal penalties for the abusive partners when their victims are a captive I mean, audience.
1: I, I'm not usually one for doubling, you know, punishments or thinking that the you know the the carceral state is the solution to these problems, but we're kind of already there. You've got the the issue that these people are imprisoned with you and we have false imprisonment false imprisonment in the law is not just i put you in a prison lock you up when you shouldn't don't deserve to be there false imprisonment can be cornering somebody and saying don't leave and if they're already stuck and you say to them you know don't leave because there's a you're under quarantine and then they're made the victim of uh, domestic abuse it might not be the domestic abuser's fault that they're quarantined but they're taking advantage of that situation to terrorize, I think that sounds like it's something that you could escalate in the law. That's an interesting uh, uh, idea. I'm sure there are some analogous cases to where people are uh, detained or falsely imprisoned due to outside sources, and then somebody takes advantage of that to terrorize them.
0: Right. Well, if you are a victim of this, uh, there is a National Domestic Violence Hotline. The number is 800-799-7233-800-799 seven two three three so i don't know if i'd call these folks idiots but maybe they're not uh, real uh, really critically thinking it's the conspiracy theorists and of all people, beloved entertainment icon Woody Harrelson has oh, fallen, yes, beloved. fallen prey to this. Well, he was great in Cheers, and he's had some wonderful roles, uh, No Country for Old Man, uh, among many others. Sure. Wait, but, Woody
1: Harrelson was in Zombieland. I liked him in Zombieland.
0: Uh, I got I to watch that one. Oh, yeah. Number one, it and yet. it's
1: it's pandemic friendly, oh, or unfriendly, okay. but you know what I mean.
0: So Woody and a bunch of other people think maybe 5G signals have hastened the spread of the virus. Now, I'm no scientist, Connor, mm-hmm. but can, can you tell me how it conceivably could be true that a 5G signal tower could
1: spread it? There's nothing. They're crazy. It means nothing. It's meaningless. A 5G tower is just a tower that emits waves. Uh, it has nothing to do with viruses or or anything else that would cause infectious disease. Uh, and it's just people saying, oh, there's 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 lizard men running the government and uh, <laughs> contrails in the sky. They're crop dusting us with mind-control drugs. It's nonsense. There's nothing there. And yet and,
0: they're setting fires in the UK anyway. Yeah. I don't know about America yet. They're destroying cell towers because people think... That
1: conspiracy theories. A lot of people will tell you that conspiracy theories are uh, about rebelling against a sense of loss of control. If you're facing a pandemic, it's much better psychologically to come up with some reason why it's somebody's fault and it's a problem that can be solved by arson because I, sure I love arson you love arson we all love arson it feels great set fire to something burns down you go damn I did that that's oh. me I'm awesome well, but it, you can't solve all your problems with arson people well
0: here's a problem Woody Harrelson has informed his two million followers <sighs> about the uh, 5g theory he says I haven't fully vetted it oh shocker. But, I f- but I find it very interesting so oh yeah my something problem dropped. Connor is I don't know how Woody is in position to vet the theory because I'm sure his state-of-the-art lab is, is shuttered for the time being mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he he just won't be able to do it now right the woody I could, lab I could understand if woody the star of toy story fell for this because after all he technically has no brain but woody harrelson he should clear this stuff with Jenny McCarthy. Ah, another celebrity who knows a lot about science. Yeah, That's right. Absolutely. Um, Trump and Hitler. Um, I've noticed that that the names somehow get linked. That's a- so a- weird. And I was recently reading a New York Times book review of mm-hmm. a book uh, by a guy named Peter Fritschi, uh, Hitler's first 100 days.
1: Ah, as in first 100 days of a president. I- yes. yes.
0: Now, so this is a trivia question for you, Connor. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you four choices. Uh, And you answer what's your best guess Uh, in this interview. How soon did Donald Trump's name come up in the interview of Hitler's first hundred days? Mm. A, it was in the first five paragraphs. B, it was in the last paragraph. C, it didn't come up at all. Or Ah. D, it was in the first sentence. I want to say first sentence. You were right. Yes. Uh, Here is the first sentence. Quote, how does the rise of Hitler look since the election of Donald Trump? Nice. So it didn't take long. Didn't take long. So
1: there's this thing called Godwin's Law. G-O-D-W-I-N. Godwin's law is a uh, a rhetorical construct that came up 15, 20 years ago, um, uh, started on the internet. A a philosopher, I believe, named Godwin um, said that as soon as you compare someone to Hitler in an argument – you right. have lost the argument. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. Done. Godwin's lo- Godwin's law has uh, been evoked. We've reached the end of a productive conversation. The yeah. person who brought up Hitler is done. They 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 have to they have to resign in defeat, or they should resign in defeat. This is, of course, uh, I there was a lot of sort of backlash because um, if even you know, if it's being compared to Stalin. See, I mean? that's that's the issue. Is the backlash to this, of course, is well. Sometimes comparisons to Hitler are apt, but in. The vast majority of circumstances, <laughs> it actually is uh, disqualifying to compare somebody to Hitler. But that's most applicable when you're not talking about world leaders, that is leaders of the great powers, uh, leaders who are uh, using their power to affect public policy on a huge scale to enact, for instance, racially motivated uh, nationalist uh, ide- extreme ideologies. Mm-hmm. Those are the most applicable yeah. Hitler comparisons I'd one can make. I think that these are, in many ways, you know, out of the league. No one's there are there are <laughs> concentration camps, uh, yep. and people in those concentration camps uh, are disproportionately
0: uh, of a certain race. Maybe the cutoff is if you are responsible for murders in the eight figure range, then it's fair That's game. That's not a bad number to compare. I
1: mean, COVID's going to get us pretty far, you know, towards the eight figure range. Well, I, I don't know if he gets credit, murder credit for oh, each one, but he gets not. negligence
0: credit. That's Maybe they get a half credit towards Hitler's total. Hey, when we come back, uh, homelessness, uh, pandemic, I've got a plan for that. Well, not I. Governor Newsom has a plan for it. We're going to get to that on Too Many Lawyers. Stick with us. We're back with Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So the homelessness problem has not gone away during the pandemic. Shocker. Uh, But check into the Hotel California. That's... The solution from our governor in California, Newsom, he wants to put the homeless in hotel rooms and motel rooms. And in fact, FEMA at the federal level has located about 7,000 rooms owned by the California government. And they're hunting for eight thousand more, so they want to get up to fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. FEMA is going to fund most of the costs for the hotel rooms for the next uh, three months, including meals and security and custodial services. And people are seeing this as a pretty necessary step because talk about a breeding ground for yeah. you know social distancing. It's kind of hard Impossible. in a homeless encampment yeah. or when the homeless are wandering it is around the city. A
1: fantastic result, and you know I, I've been saying to all my the the leftist. Uh, friends who are, are you know, finding ways to criticize this look take the win right take the win when you can when you can get it this is a great idea stop criticizing a, the exact execution and get on board and mm-hmm. then we'll work with the execution later but experts on homelessness and epidemiology uh, and poverty generally have been saying for so long decades now that the punitive model of oh you're sleeping on the street we got to write you a ticket and send you into court and put you in the criminal justice system for not having a home. Criminalizing homelessness is terrible. The courts have recognized over the last two years, and specifically with some high-profile decisions, that criminalizing homelessness is, is is wrong and violates people's rights because you can't criminalize someone for existing and not having. It's basically, it's a debtor's prison. And so the the experts on this topic have said the way to solve the solution is to house the homeless and the constant refrain has been we can't do it. It's impossible. It's too expensive. It's prohibitively expensive and now we see it's not we could have done it all the time. We're doing it as soon as it threatens the middle class and and you know average folks uh, who, who actually have money and political power and they see a benefit to themselves to housing the homeless suddenly they snap their fingers and we can do it now. Does that mean we should criticize the plan just cuz the plan should have started 20 years ago? No. I'm on board. Let's do it. Let's let's come to the table. And we don't need to vilify people who were against this plan previously. I have so many friends out there saying like, well, you know, if you weren't for this uh housing the homeless plan and aren't for our more even extreme plan that we want now here and now, then you're just a bad person and should it, you can't so ha- counter, enter a conversation you, so like
0: So you're that. not worried about uh, being benched uh, by the progressive manager be, being taken I'm out, out progressive of I'm not yeah exactly well you know if you aren't uh if you don't have a
1: hammer and sickle in your twitter uh Avatar icon. You you don't get invited to the cool Marxist parties,
0: you know. So what about quarantine? Uh, Some people are actually starting to have a little bit of backlash. I think. I mean, Los Angeles is serious about shutting down non-essential businesses. Uh, The city attorney has just charged a couple of smoke shops, a discount electronics store, a shoe store with staying open during the pandemic. They're looking at up to a year behind bars. And now we have Mayor Garcetti's uh, order just a couple of days ago. You got to wear a mask. You go outside you, you got to wear a mask. You're going into a store. You have to wear it. The employees in the store have to wear it. Mm-hmm. I've seen video of uh, guys uh, throwing people off of buses because they oh, weren't, terrible we're, video. weren't wearing masks. Terrible. Uh, so I guess the question is, uh, do you think that people are going to sense that the government has gone too far? Or is it okay to have kind of a universal mask requirement?
1: I- I think there are arguments about the efficacy of masks and whether they're really useful or whether it's sort of security theater and making us all feel better. I don't think that really is relevant to this conversation. I think that what you, uh, the question you bring up of can the government do this – the answer is unequivocally, they can. The government can do a lot of things. The government can take you and put you
0: in the military and send you to Vietnam to fight the Viet Cong if it we wants. We even did that between wars because yeah. it was Richard Nixon during the Vietnam War that ended the draft. Yeah. You may remember when Elvis Presley mm-hmm. had his career interrupted in 1958 with a couple of years over in Germany. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Civil the liberties. government has
1: a massive powers in times of crisis and in times of war. And to sit around and say, well, you know, is this... Is this going too far? We have to be well, like you, all infringements of constitutional rights are weighed against the benefit that you get from infringing that right and On the, the other cost hand. of and the, uh, the alternatives uh, that you could put into place without sacrificing that same cost. So if you want to say, I don't want to have to wear a mask in a store, ladies and gentlemen out there. OK, you've got to. Find a way to accomplish the same public health goal that we all agree is necessary, stopping the spread of COVID among people who have to do essential business out in the world uh, with a, a, a less restrictive
0: infringement on your rights. That burden is on you. On the other hand, what about the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals mm-hmm. that just a few days ago said, oh, Texas has passed a law restricting the availability of abortion because we got limited oh, to limit it to essential mm-hmm. medical stuff. And the Fifth Circuit said, yeah, that law is okay. It's probably headed up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And of course, needless to say, a lot of pro-choice advocates are not happy with this. The very language in the Fifth Circuit's decision was, you know... There can be reasonable restrictions on constitutional rights, right. and we don't deny that Roe v.ersus Wade Exist. is a constitutional yeah. right. So yeah. it's well, hard to know how to come down on this issue. You're right. It's complicated.
1: And, and the complex part about it is weighing the infringement on somebody's rights compared to the alternatives that you can use to solve the same problem without infringing on those rights. And in this circumstance— the, the evidence is, is just doesn't exist that abortions need to be stopped in order to prevent mass death from COVID. In fact, abortions prevent people, women, pregnant women from having to go into the hospital and undergo a more serious, much more serious and much more dangerous procedure of giving birth to a baby in a hospital full of COVID positive patients and demanding the time and expertise and protective personal equipment of of nurses and doctors and all that during delivery. All of that is a massive drain on on the healthcare system and abortions avoid those medical procedures. So everyone knows that this is a penny uh, wise pound foolish decision it's really obviously a backdoor in way to eliminate abortion and put restrictions on abortion abortion is like the the most uh, like stereotypically time sensitive medical emergency crisis you know if you have some other met surgery that needs to get done that could hurt you in the future sort of in a nebulous way that's one thing Abortion is is related to pregnancy, which is a ticking clock like it's it's so stereotypically obviously a ticking clock where you have to get it done before that person needs other future, more serious medical care. It just boggles my mind that people are sort of buying into this argument about, well, it does at least mean that the nurse you know who does who's in the room for the abortion doesn't have to use up a mask like she's not going to have to be there when the baby's delivered in, in seven months. Come on.
0: So finally, health insurance. You say you've lost your health insurance. Well, a bunch of options out there. First, Medicaid is an option if your income is generally in the $25,000 range Mm -hmm. or less. There's a program called CHIP Children's Health Insurance Program that's available for kids even if you don't qualify for Medicaid. Mm -hmm. You can sign up for Obamacare. The COBRA law lets you keep your coverage for up to a year and a half after you leave your job. COBRA is not a cheap option, but it is an option to keep your
1: uh, insurance after you leave your job, and that can be very valuable and sometimes worth it for people who have high 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 health
0: care costs right and finally a family member's coverage that maybe you weren't thinking about may be available to you if you've lost your job lost your health insurance i think one interesting question connor is whether the bernie sanders argument will resonate namely you know without, without coming out and saying oh you know never waste a, a good crisis bernie is saying oh my gosh folks doesn't this convince everybody that there should be medicare for all that every single medical bill should be paid everybody's worried about uh, mm-hmm, the pandemic mm-hmm. and the medical bills uh, you think that's going to catch fire even though uh, bernie's campaign uh, was doused i would have thought that it would catch fire already this is the the most of like this
1: crisis is the the best example that brings to reality and puts right in front of people's faces how obviously silly it is that we connect healthcare to people's jobs. This is a health crisis where everyone's losing their job. There's no better example of how the fact that we connected, you know, jobs and healthcare together is a silly, silly, immoral outcome. Now, why did it happen? You can look back at American history, and you can say, as, as many people uh, will tell you, that it happened because uh, wages the economy and government intervention. I'll wages ad- admit, were frozen. Wages get frozen. Um, and so companies had to find
0: a way to give some goodies. They
1: had to hand out extra benefits. So they started handing out health care. And then they realize that you know they can negotiate for healthcare better than
0: individuals. It's ironic that you, the progressive, and the conservatives object to the idea of companies giving the free. Oh
1: yeah, I'll I'll freely acknowledge that that the the economic and historical theory uh, that wage and price controls are what caused um, healthcare to be linked to uh, employment are are you know, a tragic example of an unintended consequence that came from a government intervention uh that you know some people would say therefore means they, they stepped too far now that doesn't mean all governments bad but but in this case it, that that is what happened that doesn't mean we can't learn from that moving forward. And, you know, progressives should not be able to should be able to digest that and say, oh, a, a government intervention had a bad outcome that they didn't expect. Let's learn from that and adapt that and move forward. People instead take offense at that. People will look at this and say, well, that can't be right because it doesn't comport with my worldview. And here's an economist who thinks the other way and a historian who thinks it didn't happen that way. Okay, we don't need to drill down and decide exactly why this happened in order to come up with a solution for the future. And everybody kind of understands that the best solution for the future is separating these two things, separating employment and healthcare. It's the moral thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And it's going to make our society a better and healthier place. How do you do it? How do you put it into place? Because you need... The, the problem is that employers are a massively powerful force that is able to negotiate better than individuals are for healthcare and get huge discounts as a result. Uh, it ends up being inefficient sometimes for other reasons, but that is a big efficiency that's gained. So who could be the massive ten thousand pound gorilla? That's a really heavy gorilla. Uh, Two thousand pound gorilla. Uh, that that does the negotiating heavier than an eight hundred pound. It is there. There's the number I'm looking right. Eight hundred pound gorilla. <laughs> Who can negotiate on behalf of all the individuals? If only there was some sort of large, uh, ment of govern that could uh, be that 800 pound gorilla and negotiate against uh, the owners and controllers of healthcare, uh, on behalf of individuals, like citizens of a country.
0: That would be to quote George W. Bush, not gonna happen, wouldn't Um, be prudent. Not yet. Actually, that was the dad I was quoting. We'll get there. So, to finish on a a personal note here, folks, I I want you to know that the reason there were some technical imperfections in the program today, it had nothing to do with Connor or with me. It had to do with our beloved uh, cat, Owen. Owen so so yes. Connor and mm-hmm. I, and uh, and Lauren, my wife, who, who doubles as Connor's mom, um, uh, are, are hunkered down here in Southern California, and uh, we are joined by our great Dane dog and our little cat, Owen. Uh, we're in the den, and the cat really, really wants to be in here with us. And he so us. he has been scratching the door at an extremely high level. So we've had, we had to some actually jump cuts. pause the episode a couple of times.
1: And we had to lose, I would say, the best and juiciest bits of the entire yeah, episode. They're but, on the cutting but room But the floor. good news
0: is we still love Owen. We are we going it. to let him live. It. No, no yeah. cats were harmed in the making of this podcast <laughs> episode. I will say, actually, this will be the last time... Uh, we've been watching movies every now. And we watch the classics and so on, Godfather. But Connor introduced us to a movie last night that was really pretty terrific. Uh, yeah, a um, Miyazaki called film called Kiki's, Kiki's Delivery, Delivery Service. Service. Yeah. Service. It had a black cat as one of it the did. stars in it. Was adorable. It adorable. And I've never seen any movie like it, but it was it was really a terrific film. Yeah. Uh, so this has actually been an opportunity. we forced you to watch movies from the 30s. You did force. Like I enjoyed watching Lost a lot Horizon. of these classic well, movies.
1: it's nice of you to say. Lost Horizon is so old that the original film was <laughs> damaged, and uh, <laughs> a large scenes uh, were stuck with uh, single scenes. Production stills with the audio in the background because the actual video of the film of that scene uh, is lost to time. That's how old a movie we're talking. I here.
0: gotta say though, Kiki's delivery um, service service is so good. It, it visually stunning, visually stunning, but also uh, it had some sort of traditional rom com type elements. But the the start of the movie is really thought provoking because, and you know, a little spoiler alert, but it, I'll just tell you kind of the premise. Uh, it's about this family that has a thirteen year old daughter. And she's a witch, and the mom is a witch, and the tradition in the family is that at age 13, she flies, literally flies off on her broom and finds a new home and and makes her way through life, and then she'll come back later, maybe in a year, but she does this on her own with, with her little black cat. And the idea of the family sort of lovingly and happily saying goodbye to the child uh, was really kind of stunning because mm-hmm. that's not what we're used to. We are used to... Helicopter parenting. And yeah. when it comes time at age 17 or 18, those of us who have taken kids to college know this is not a happy time. No, it's this is the time for open the floodgate of tears. Oh, my goodness, uh, that we're losing our child. And it was so amazing to see these parents just sort of happily wishing her well. And when she gets to a new city, the idea is that a, a young witch goes to a new city and is looking around... To find out how she can fit in. Gosh, this movie's good, and she's worried about the fact that people won't accept her. And it's you're thinking, well, that's how some people who don't look like everybody else might feel if they're going to a new community. Yeah, and it really had some thought provoking elements to it. I'd so.
1: say that my my best silver lining of the of the. Uh, uh, of COVID so far is how much, especially intergenerationally, but also just between friends and everyone else, we're sharing media. We're sharing movies, we're sharing TV, we're sharing books. Because you got to find something to do, and we're all trapped inside, and discussing it and talking about it in a really sort of deep and and meaningful way, and like why it matters to us, and feels good to watch it, or didn't like it, or whatever else. That process of discussing media and digesting it feels like we're all stuck in an English class, but one we're engaged in and participating in, and loving the media that we're instead of it being Moby Dick or whatever. And that's that's been the best silver lining of the whole thing.
0: Well, I agree. Uh, I will say though that as soon as we conclude this podcast uh, I will explain to you why your theory about socialized medicine is full of, is full of crap full of crap oh yeah off the air off cool. here. we'll see you <laughs> next time folks on uh, too many lawyers have a safe week
1: hi max I wanted to share something with you I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one I'm grateful for how you changed your life I'm grateful for the love you have for me I'm grateful for you
0: love mom If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to Grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit CARON.org slash lost.